I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 233 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we start measuring. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we watch the Apple Watch. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we have some listeners who discuss hooking up their iPad to their podcasting system. Lauren, start the show now. There's a lot of listeners that need to disconnect this from their audio system. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all new episode of Better Podcasting. This is episode 233 and I am Stephen John Drew. With me is, of course, SP. I am so hyped up for this episode. We spent the better part of the last four days working on the show notes. We are into it's time to get this one recorded. It's time to get this one out and it's time to just talk podcasting. Just me and you, buddy. Never met in person, but we talk about a lot of podcasting. You know what? I would say it's time to drop the hammer. It's hammer time. Is it a ball peen hammer or is it a rubber hammer or what kind of hammer is it? The last time we at all got construction um, or, you know, tool related. I screwed up woodworking terms. So let's just go ahead and leave that alone. Okay. <laughs> so you don't know what those things were. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you didn't know this, we like to at the top of the show feature this thing called How I Save My Podcast. This is where if something went wrong with your show, we want you to share how you were able to fix it. What did you do to fix that? And the reason we do this is because we do like to help everybody know that sometimes things go wrong and sometimes it's not the end of the world. Things do vary with what the solve is and sometimes it's very complicated like having to re-record good portions of your show. Yeah, I've done that one before. And sometimes it's a lot simpler. And today we have a listener submission, don't we, SP? We do. It's from Johan Hendricks and I have some history with Johan and I am excited to hear what he has to say. So, Stephen, roll the clip. Hey guys, this is Johan from Winnipeg, Canada. I'm the guy that won the Q2U earlier this year. Thank you so much. It has been a boon to what I'm doing. Uh, I started actually editing podcasts for other people and they, they needed a USB mic to record. So I actually had one that I could lend them and get a decent recording. So it makes my job a whole lot easier. And in fact, my 14-year-old son, he was going out doing some interviews with it with his iPhone. So it was it was amazing. Thank you so much. So today, I just wanted to give you how I saved my podcast. So recently, we started videotaping our podcasts. Normally, we just use the Zoom L12. And the person that was running the board this time around forgot to press record or something. They pressed record and maybe they didn't press the play. You know what that's like on the Zoom L12. But we happen to be running our video from a headphone out into my new little PreSonus Studio 24C, which connects directly to my iPad Pro, where we're shooting the video from. In fact, the iPad Pro even, even powers this thing. So it's a great little machine if you want to recommend it to your listeners to record video and get some good quality audio going right into the iPad. It's awesome. Anyway, he forgot to record. So I had this thing running recording right into my iPad. And it gave me a great signal. Even though the tracks were separated, like I would get on the Zoom L12, it's definitely something that I can work with. And it's it's going to turn out great. It's going to sound fine because I had my video going and I had it recording good quality audio into my PreSonus interface into my iPad. So that's how I saved my podcast. Saved me a good 40-minute interview with, with my co-host and my guests. So Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks again. Love the show. 
Thank you very much for sending that in to us. That was fantastic. And, you know, sometimes it pays off to have multiple things that you're able to use in some capacity. And you know what I like about this? This is, this is a, I think, a really good example on good enough. I think so. I think for the large majority of people that start, that make the jump from audio only to video, it always pays off to have a good audio source going into video because you never know when you're actually going to use it. I know I have used my video from YouTube in the past as a backup. And Stephen, I think you've used something like that in the past too. So it's always to your benefit to have that backup of good audio. Now, is it going to be the best? No, it's good enough. It is something that you have versus nothing. And that is always preferable when you're talking about podcasting. And always, 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 we seem to hear about these when there is a guest being interviewed. It's like you have a guest there. You have this amazing content. It is something that you can never recreate. You never get that opportunity again and you lose the audio and you're like, no. So a lot of people joke that how I say by podcasts is all about backups. In this case, it is. It's not always the case. But yeah, having a backup often works. And one of the reasons why I think it's it's often when you have a guest is because it's an extra variable in your setup. It's, it's just enough of a change that it distracts you. And so you miss the fine details. And it could be as simple as like if you're in person, you're actually half chatting to them as you're getting ready to hit record. Or if it's not, you might have just had something in your setup just just disrupt you enough that you you forgot to press the play button after you hit record on the L12, right? Like, you know, it, it's just something. So it's not surprising, but yeah, definitely uh, with guests, it's always good to have extra sources that you can you can make sure that you have to fall back to. And a little secret, SP mentioned that we've used the YouTube video before. When we've done our interviews on Better Podcasting, we have often streamed to a private video that interview because the interview is often recorded before our regular broadcast time just because of schedules and things like that. But what we often do is set up a private YouTube feed that we can send that to as just a fallback so that we know that we have that video uploaded to YouTube in a private manner that nobody can see except for ourselves. And it's just one extra place that you, you've got to back up. So there's a little tip from us if you're looking for an offline but online way to back things up. It's assuming you have internet access. Yeah. But yeah, it, it works. In some cases, like you're at a convention or off grid somewhere, you just don't have that connection to YouTube that you can do. But if you have the connection, that that's awesome. And I want to say thank you again to Johan. That's awesome that he got back to us. We did send the microphone to him. I'm glad he's getting some use out of it. In the note that I sent him, I said, I hope you get some use out of it and let us know what you're using it for. And he obviously did. So thank you very much. It wasn't just a get back with us. It was get back with us and what he has done to save his podcast. And Johan, in the future, make sure you include you know, your production company name or contact information or whatever. We'd be glad to promote you on this show. Canada, eh? Woo! Recently, I came across a Reddit post because I'm a huge Redditor, if you didn't know this. I, I'm always on Reddit. I moderate a certain podcasting subreddit. No, that's not true. This is all SP I'm describing. He's the Redditor, but... Recently, he came across a Reddit post that talked about gauging the number of subscribers that one has with their podcast. And the question was, how do I do that? Well, the short answer is that for most podcasters, it is impossible to perfectly say how many subscribers you have to your show. This is because there are a variety of different resources available, and most of them won't even tell you straight up how many people are subscribed. So it's very hard to figure out exactly how many subscribers you have to your podcast. But hypothetically, even if they did tell you that, you'd still be trying to figure out if they were actual listeners and not just subscribers. 
This is because there are many people who will subscribe to a podcast and they end up falling off it and they don't listen. I'll say I got several podcasts on my app right now that I'm subscribed to that I haven't listened to in a long time. It's just sitting there every week, getting the new episode, giving that person that download, but I'm a false download for them because of that. And there's unfortunately a lot of people who have fallen off the podcast listening bandwagon, especially in the last few months with various different uprooting of their day-to-day lives. So it's just sitting there until it's automatically detailed in some cases off of apps, and then the cycle continues. A new download goes to that the next time another episode comes out, which this kind of is... This kind of analogs to the morning radio show that someone, quote, listened to as they drove to work, but they only caught like three to five minutes of that during their entire hustle and bustle and their screaming matches with all of the other drivers. So while they were a subscriber to that morning show, they were really only listeners for like three to five minutes. So when it comes to gauging subscribers, ultimately it comes down to two sort of metrics. One, How big is your audience and how much has your show grown overall? Although in the past we've talked about different statistics and things that we think are best practices for statistics and how to analyze statistics, we have seen a lot of change in the last few years since we've done that episode. And we've seen a lot of people come with the question is how do I measure my growth as opposed to just my downloads? And today we want to talk a little bit about that. It's today's tools. How do you measure the growth of your podcast? And we're going to divide this into a couple uh, big sections, one of them being technical, one of them being non-technical. So I'll go ahead and kick it off with SP talking about the technical aspect of measuring your growth. The most obvious way to measure your size and your growth of your podcast is to use a reputable host or service that provides IAB certified statistics. Now, IAB certified statistics provide a consistent, accurate baseline of podcast downloads. But how do you figure out how many subscribers that you have? After all, there are a number of people who re-download podcasts and some people that download the podcast without subscribing. One way we recommend is to use what I term to be the 48-hour rule a few years ago. This is something that we've used for a while, and it does take some manual tracking on your part because I don't know of any podcast host or service that does statistics that tracks this particular stat in its own metric or graph. This is where you look at the amount of downloads within the first 48 hours of release of the episode. The theory behind this is most subscribers will download your podcast to their podcatchers within a day or so of when the episode is published. There's some podcatchers that only download once a day when they're connected to Wi-Fi. Maybe you're leaving for work. Maybe you're coming home from work, that sort of, or school. You could have that too. And that is the time that your podcatcher is downloading an episode. Now, depending on when you publish your episode and depending on where your listener lives in the world, it might take a little bit more than a day to download the episode, especially if you publish over a weekend. This statistic, this way of doing things, it's not perfect. It doesn't account for non-subscribers, but it does give you an indication of likely subscribers. Again, it's the first 48 hours after you publish your episode. Some cautions about this. You need to make sure you're using a reliable statistics provider. As mentioned before, ideally an IAB podcast measurement guidelines 2.0 certified provider. There are many factors such as bots, for example, which can cause this number to be grossly inflated, these download numbers for the episode, especially early on when you have published the episode. For example, when you post your content, it might be crawled by a bunch of bots. You know, maybe you put a Twitter tweet out there. Maybe you are automatically publishing to Tumblr and there's just bots that crawl that and it could hit the link to your show. This means that the first 48 hours can be grossly overinflated, especially if you're not using an IAB certified provider. So reputable stats, certified stats remove a lot of this because they blacklist a lot of the bots or IP addresses of known issues like that. 
Now, subscriber count on certain podcast stats is is something that we're going to talk about. This is overall a relatively new feature, although it has been discussed before, specifically with FeedBurner. Apparently, there's an inaccurate subscriber count there. It's been known to be inaccurate for quite some time. But these new features on these newer podcast hosts and statistics providers, they're not perfect either. Some providers are filtering down stats to show how many people are downloading via your RSS feed, and they present this as a number called subscribers. Cautions on this are that other directories may not report back to your hosting provider correctly, so it might just break and you might not get an accurate count of subscribers. But there are, Stephen, other subscriber counts on other services, which you can consolidate together as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think YouTube's a good example of this. When you go to your YouTube channel, if you have a look there, you'll see how many people are subscribed to your channel. Now, this is something that there's a whole other side of of considering whether you should put your podcast onto YouTube if you're not doing a full video show. But we'll just leave that alone. That's a whole other debate. But if you are doing that, you might go and see how many people are actually subscribed to my YouTube channel. Now, like podcast stats, you don't know how many are actually viewing when you are just looking at that raw subscriber number. But if you're seeing that subscriber number continue to go up with time, that means that you're growing that YouTube channel and your show is growing because obviously that number keeps going up. So you kind of just got to look at that and say, hey, look, I'm gaining more interest and there's more and more people subscribing to my YouTube channel. In fact, most videos that SP watches are viewed far less times than the actual total subscriber count. So it's a consideration you have to have when you're looking at raw subscribers. But again, if those subscribers are going up, It's showing that you're reaching people and your interest is continuing um, to catch people's attention. Now that we've talked about actually counting downloads and subscribers to measure growth, this becomes simple math or as the UK calls it maths, although they pronounce it math. So, Stephen, you like new math? You, You know, you've been teaching the kids at home. You've been doing the new math. Do you do that up in Canada? Thankfully, they're so young. I don't have to worry about that yet. Uh, I'm not even sure what new math is. You know, the kids showed it to me and I couldn't describe it to them. And I'm a rocket scientist. I'm not kidding. It just befuddled me so much. I don't understand what new math is. Moving on to measure growth using your base listeners. It becomes simple math. How many subscribers do you assess now versus how many subscribers did you assess a month ago, a year ago, five years ago? Okay. This is where a lot of our current tracking methods start to break down, which is why, because IAB certified stats only came out recently within the past, just over a year ago, actually, we're the first IAB certified, maybe a year and a half ago, 18 months ago, the first IAB certified stats providers were labeled certified by IAB. December, 2018, I believe it was. Where Blueberry and Mm -hmm. a few of the others. Okay, so we're just over a year and a half. In case you're new to podcasting and you do not know the story of IAB statistics, I'm going to go down a little bit of the history here. Most statistics providers only have a year of the certified stats now because that's when they got certified. Previous to the stats provider being certified, the service might have said or inferred what was known as IAB compliance, which some still do. Actually, they say they take a look at the IAB certification criteria and they say we meet that we are compliant. Well, there's no certification for compliance. It's just the podcast host or statistics service saying we are compliant. Okay, that doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean anything to me because a lot of the certified providers previously said they were compliant. And when they got certified, their stats changed because they weren't, in fact, following all of the guidelines. And this is algorithms. This is very technical stuff has to do with the raw data files of the hits that come in, how long the hits were there, where they're coming from, that sort of thing. As a podcaster, you don't need to know that anymore. All you need to know is if your statistics are IAB certified or not. And if your statistics provider is IAB certified, it means that they're following all the guidelines. And if they're all following the wrong guidelines, then they're all following the wrong guidelines, but you're all the same. You're all standardized. So 
the IAB compliance might actually only go back an additional year or two on top of that. So it doesn't go back farther than that. Before that, providing listener data was truly the wild, wild west. I mean, there were some statistics providers that were deemed to be a little bit more accurate than others. One of our early episodes that we did had a comparison between several of the statistics providers. Stephen did a great comparison of of several different methods there. Uh, You don't need to do that anymore. It's IAB certified as as long as your host is IAB certified or your statistics provider is IAB certified. That's all you need to know. Fun fact, in 1999, Will Smith did a movie called Wild Wild West, which was all about the Wild Wild West of podcasting statistics. Was it the Wild Wild West or the Wild 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 West? I can't remember. It was called Wild Wild West. And he even uh, okay. wrote a song that was all about the podcast statistics being inaccurate. It was it was quite quite a good song. I can get jiggy with that. Yeah. Anyway, the podcast compliance, the IB compliance is, is why you might have seen or heard podcasters asking for the raw data logs. Now you just don't hear that anymore because even people that are technically inclined and, and really want the raw data, they know that they're getting the good data from their uh, podcast hosts or uh, statistics providers. Now, one more thing about stating how big your show is. The standard, this is the definition here. The standard way to measure how big your show is, it's pretty simple. We're going to tell you what the standard is, but then we're going to give you a couple of exceptions. So gather around and listen close. I'm going to walk down a path and tell you a story here. Gather around, gather around. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, The standard way to measure how well your episode did is the number of downloads per episode over the course of the first 30 days after you publish. This is not your total downloads for your podcast over a month. This is not your total downloads for your podcast ever, although those are two interesting statistics. As far as how to measure your podcast versus another podcast out there, it is the number of downloads per episode over the course of the first 30 days after you publish. Why is this? Well, mostly it's advertising. They want to know how many hits they're going to get for 30 days and they cost how much they're willing to pay for their advertising because of that. But also, as I said, it's a good comparison. If you have the same statistics for one podcast, you can compare it to the other podcast with the same statistics. Now, I'm an engineer by trade and I love to do accurate comparisons. So let's discuss apples to apples versus oranges to kumquats. I don't like that analogy. Let's try tangerines to rutabaga. Try again. Bananas to cucumbers. And again. Strawberries to lettuce. Another one. Tomatoes to potatoes. I like that one the best. Okay. Well, basically, it's two things that aren't like each other. So what am I talking about? Mostly I'm hungry right now, so I'm talking about dinner. But besides <laughs> that, let's use a specific podcast example. Now, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a weekly podcast that I produce. It's about the general Marvel Universe. Let's say the episodes get roughly about 250 downloads per episode. And over the course of a month, which is roughly four weeks for the sake of argument, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. will publish four episodes. Therefore, at 250 downloads or listens per episode, I'm going to see 1,000 downloads of new content per month. Now, a new podcast that we're both part of, Stephen, Better Podcasting Live Chats. Oh, I've heard of this show. I should check them out. Yeah, I think you should. It is different from Better Podcasting, and we do it on the opposite days or the opposite weeks of Better Podcasting, and it's where we can interact with the audience. It is a bi-weekly podcast. We don't do it every week. We do it every other week. So let's just say for argument that Better Podcasting Live Chats receives the same 250 listens or downloads per episode. Over the course of a month, again, roughly four weeks per month, Better Podcasting Live Chat will publish two episodes and see a total of 500 downloads of new content per month. So, Stephen, let me ask you, is Better Podcasting Live Chat half the show Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is? Yes, it is, because you have four hosts over on legends of shield and we have two here so it is half i knew you were gonna say something right (laughs) like that statistically and technically they are pretty much the same you have 250 downloads for the first 30 days of each episode but wait there's more here it's not just how many new downloads you get per episode you have a back catalog to both shows right now so as of this moment legends of shield has 346 
past episodes. We're on episode 347. I just published it yesterday. Better Podcasting Live Chats has 14 past episodes. If 10 new listeners download all of the past content to both shows, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. will see a total of 3,460 downloads. That's 10 downloads per show. And Better Podcasting Live Chats, on the other hand, at 10 episodes or 10 shows per down per new listener, will see 140 downloads. So if you combine those numbers I just said, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. would have 3,460 downloads plus the 1,000 new episode downloads. So Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. will see a total of 4,460 downloads in that month. Better Podcasting Live Chat would take those 140 back catalog downloads, add it to the 500 downloads that it had for its two new shows, and it would only receive 640 downloads. So via the standard way to count shows, they're actually pretty equal. But as you can see, one show, because it had double as many episodes per month, plus a larger back catalog, has much more downloads per month. So it really isn't a fair way for an advertiser to compare shows because they're still getting the same 250 downloads per episode on a new show. Right, Stephen? Yeah, that's a really good example there comparing those two. It sounds like almost a bit, bit of an exception to the rule, but I think you could do better and give me some other exceptions to the rule. All right, let's talk about some exceptions to this standard rule that we've heard. Let's take a season of an audio drama, for example. A lot of our listeners are creators of audio dramas or, or maybe playthroughs on uh, tabletop games. A short 15-episode season might be produced once a year for a podcast, especially an audio drama. You're talking hundreds of hours. I mean, we talked to Sarah Ray Warner about it, and she puts in hundreds and hundreds of hours behind the scene on each episode. So let's just say you only produce one season, 15 episodes per year. Yet, just like Netflix, once the season is out, a listener might pick up the show months or even years from now and start binge watching the whole thing. In fact, a show might become popular after two or three seasons and see most of its downloads then, a little less so on Netflix, a little more so on podcasting, just because of discovery and word of mouth and that sort of thing. And it's a little different between Netflix. Netflix has, and we'll talk about promotion later, but Netflix has a better promotion avenue right now than a unknown independent podcast. So if it sees most of its downloads after two to three years, is it fair to hold those shows to the same standard as a weekly podcast like we do, Stephen? Probably not. No. All right. I got another example for you. All right. Let's look at a highly, highly researched and produced podcast. They Post episodes once in an undetermined while. However, once they release that episode, it gets millions of downloads. And yes, I am referring to Hardcorn History. That's the name of it, what? right? No, Hardcore History, not Hardcorn. I'm, uh, I'm allergic to corn. I wouldn't listen to that. No, I'm I'm talking Hardcorn History. It's a different podcast. But oh, does it get millions of downloads? It does. And is it fair to hold that podcast to the same standard? I don't think so, but you know, that's, that's up to the advertisers. Uh, one final example, let's say you publish podcasts every day, but this podcast happens to be exclusive to a single distribution point that is behind a paywall. So the number of downloads are limited to those that actually pay for the content. So even though you might only have a hundred thousand, 200,000 downloads of listens, your listeners are actually paying for that content. So does it matter then what the standard is? I don't think it's a simple revenue <laughs> equation at that point. And statistics aren't really that viable. I mean, they're viable to a point, but they're, they're not as viable as out in the wild. And I think that's really the takeaway from that whole standard in relation to what we're talking about today is that the standards that are out there for advertising aren't always a great indication of growth. Because like, let's look at that one in a, a while example, you might be waiting a long time to find out whether you're growing because you could have months between releases. So you might not know how much you're growing 
until the next one. So it really like raw metrics can sometimes be a hard thing to measure your growth, especially when you have uh, something that doesn't follow the norm of what podcasts are. To be fair, I think there would be some indications that you would gain more subscribers because your back catalog would be hit a little bit more, but you still wouldn't have any indication of exactly how much you're going to be hit on publishing day. I completely agree with you. So while we here at Better Podcasting will mostly talk in terms of that weekly podcast, in terms of download statistics for the rest of this episode, we wanted to lay out some outliers because we know, if anything else, that podcasting is not a one-size-fits-all thing. Unlike the underwear that SP and I wear, that's one-size-fits-all. Better Podcasting anyway. branded. Better Podcasting branded. Now, before we get to some other ways to measure growth, there are some general considerations when it comes to technical metrics that we think you should be aware of. One of the things that we think you should consider is when you're analyzing growth, the numbers that are on the internet are not always black and white and clear. We kind of talked a little bit about that a minute ago, but to further expand on that, there are a variety of other factors that can cause these numbers to go up. And that's not always a good thing when you're trying to measure your growth. This is why we think it's important when you're looking at raw metrics and raw data to analyze when you saw the numbers go up. And especially if there is an, a, a sudden change, you should go and see if you can identify what caused this to increase. Whether it's a large spike or a rapid increase, it's worth finding out what the cause of this was, because if it is a sudden spike, it might not be growth of your show. It might just be a one-time factor. For example, maybe you use like a clickbaity type term in your title. You might find upon investigation, a lot of people found it by searching the internet. They came to your show, they pressed play, and they realized that that was just a little section of your show. And so they never actually listened through to find out where that was. So they didn't really listen to your show. And the next week, you'll be back to normal unless you use another clickbaity title, which, again, you're probably not retaining those people. But if it was, say, a rapid increase that was sustained and you are continuing to hold those numbers, it's still worth finding out what caused that. Because let's say you did some advertising and that's what caused people to come to your show and you held on to those listeners. Well, you know it was successful and that might give you some ideas on how you continue to promote your show. But if it was content related, it's something that you started to put into your show or something you changed with the content, then you can keep that in mind as you go through and you work through how your show is going to be. And how, as you develop your show, you can keep in mind that that worked and that might be something that you want to keep focusing on. It's always worth working backwards to find out what caused that spike. Another thing worth considering is whether or not the numbers that you're using are being impacted at all by your service provider. For example, there was a major podcast that's provider, hosting provider, uh, made a big change a couple of years back to their stats algorithm, and it caused many people to see a sudden drop in their episodes. Well, for anyone that was using those to help measure their growth, they really had to realign what their baseline was that they were looking at as they were looking at their growth. Because the reality is, when that change was made, that probably meant that they didn't have as many listeners that they thought they did. However, it didn't mean that they suddenly fell back in growth. No, the, it just meant that they thought that they had more people than they actually did. So they had to realign their baseline as they were comparing so that they were seeing, am I still growing? as opposed to comparing to the episode or the numbers from like the month before where you'd be like, oh, I, I need to keep increasing to get back to where I was. No, that was false data. We're going to move on from the technical methods to the non-technical methods here. Growth is not just technical number mumbo jumbo. It's not all maths. It's measuring growth. And it's more than that. In fact, we'd argue that for a hobby podcaster, measuring growth outside of raw numbers is even more important. This is because you need to ask yourself, why are you podcasting for fun? If you're doing it as a hobby, the chances are that your reason for podcasting isn't just because you want to make yourself as big as you can. It could be a reason such that you want to be a voice for a certain niche. Do numbers tell you that? 
Or is it better if you're actually interacting with people about your message? We'd argue the latter. That takes us to the primary non-technical way that we think growth can be measured by your interactions. If you're seeing an increase in interacting with your audience, that's a good indication of growth. Considering that only part of your audience will interact with you, seeing an increase in interactions is a huge win to measure your growth. By the way, I've heard anywhere between 1% to 5% of your audience is going to actually reach out and interact with you. Think about all the people who are not emailing you too. Like I just said, 1% to 5%, that means 95 to 99% of the people that are listening to your show are not interacting with you. Interactions also can help you gauge if you're growing in the right way. When you interact with people, you can see what exactly is landing with people. What are they taking away from your show? Are you growing your podcast in the area that you want to? Or are people attaching to themselves to something that you didn't even want to be the focus of on your show? If this is the case, you'd have a whole other consideration. Now, whether you want to correct this or shift your show focus, that's going to be up to you, but at least you're going to see through the interaction what people are taking away from your show. Now, the quality of interactions can also be a good indication of growth. For example, say you're mostly getting pretty simple one-line greetings from listeners or tweets saying great or replies like likes on your tweets with your episode, and that's all it is. Well, First, you should be absolutely appreciative of the fact that you're reaching out to your audience and they're reaching out to you no matter how small it is. However, let's say that you notice that you're more often getting lengthier, more thought out interactions. This is a great indication that you're growing in quality and that people are feeling more invested in your show. In either case, it's important, though, that you look at the variety of interactions you're getting, interacting with a few individuals more could mean that you're growing your relationship with them, but not necessarily your show, as opposed to having less frequent interactions, but with more people. This is something that we've talked about before with interacting and applying your limited time to your audience. Now, there's other non-technical ways that you might measure your growth, right, Stephen? Yeah, one of the ones that's off the top of my head is if you're getting mentioned elsewhere with your podcast, If your show is being mentioned or referenced on like another podcast or a website or community, it's just a great uh, example that you are growing with your podcast because now people are wanting to pass that along, which kind of takes me to another point, which is that an increase of new listeners to your podcast telling you that they heard about your podcast and that's how they found you. This is a good indication that now you've got some word of mouth and that you've built your podcast up enough that people are actually telling someone else about it enough to encourage them to listen to your show. If you are ever hearing someone say, hey, I had someone tell me about your podcast, you should look into that a little bit because that can help you figure out where you were successful. Kind of like our numbers discussion where you want to work your way backwards. With this, it's a good idea to say, hey, can I ask, where did you hear about me? So that you can figure out how did you connect with that? Was it someone that you were interacting with regularly and you know that that's a good recipe for your growth? Or was it something else where you were involved with the community and they were talking about you? So it's always a good idea to find out the why on that. Now, this next one here is one of my favorite ones. If you're getting disagreeing opinions, you can be growing your podcast. Yes, it can sound a little bit weird, but the reality is that you can't please everyone. And sometimes people look at their first one-star review, and we said first, by the way, and we already have have marked that off, so we don't need any more, but their first first one-star review of a podcast is sometimes a badge of honor. And if you see people start to reach out and email you, contradicting opinions, that's a good indication that now you've grown your podcast to the point that you're not just within one little circle of everybody that shares a similar opinion to you. Because of the fact that when you start your podcast, a lot of times the first people that are going to check you out are people you know, people that like you, or people that you're in a close community with. So they're naturally probably going to be pretty kind to you, especially if they're your friends. But if you start to grow and now you're outside of those circles, you might find those disagreeing opinions come in. 
But we want to preface, if you're getting a lot of negative opinions, you might want to have a little bit of a self-reflection on that. Uh, we did a whole episode about handling feedback. So if you want to check that out, you can. It's in our back catalog. But uh, that's a whole other discussion. And the last one that we want to mention here is that people are reviewing your show without any prompting to do so. And if you're seeing an upswing in people reviewing your show on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, especially without you telling them so, there's a good indication that your show is growing. There are many people who will listen to podcasts and never review a single one of them. But an increase in reviews is a good indication that you're growing. You're getting that percentage of growth for your percentage of listeners out there. Actually, the percentage of people that review your show doesn't really grow. I mean, it might expand and contract just a little bit, but it's going to stay pretty much static. And if you're getting more reviews, it just means that more people are listening to your show. But don't just take our word for all of this in measuring growth and the standards of measurement of podcasts. We wanted to know what our audience thought. So we will ask our audience on Twitter for some growth measurement examples. And here are some of what they said. Now, Play Comics Cast on Twitter mentioned download numbers are always going to be a part of it. But lately, I've gotten more people that I don't know asking to be on. And I think that's a better indication. So what Chris, this is Chris, by the way, and Chris is on the Guinea Geek Network. Oh, full disclosure. But what Chris is talking about is he actually has somebody guest on his show and they talk about a specific video game and relate to the comics and stuff like that. And what he's saying here is he's actually getting an increase in people that want to be on the show. And that's a good indication to him that he's growing in his audience. So that is awesome there. We didn't cover that in our show. We also had K2 Show San Diego say Twitter followers and episode download numbers. If you have a huge, huge Twitter numbers, but small episode numbers, something is off. Yeah, there used to be something called Twitter bombing. It's not a thing anymore, but the Twitter accounts were huge or you were getting, you know, you were retweeting your episode links over and over and over again. And that led to bots actually coming into and following your account and it was just disproportional and it just shows that your show isn't growing in terms of your audience moving on nf pod at nf pod on twitter gave this advice downloads and the retention rate per episode if your episodes are one hour long but people only listen to the first two minutes you're wasting your time so this is also something that we didn't talk about but there are providers out there like apple podcasts and stitcher that you can actually go in and view the individual stats of their platform. One of the wonderful that YouTube is like this too. One of the wonderful things that you can get out of that is the actual listener rate. So if you go to podcastconnect.com and you take a look at your episodes for the last, I, f I forget it was 45 days or something like that. It will show you how many listens you had per episode and you can see what the retention rate was. And you can see as it drops off, for the episode. Now, if you're lucky enough, it'll be 100% the whole way through. Odds are it's not going to be like that. I know shows out there that look at those statistics for advertisements and they see that people press the skip button once an advertisement starts up so they could see that the ad is being skipped, but that it is still reaching a certain amount of people. What NFPod is saying is if you have a one hour or two hour long podcast and people are just hitting it for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, two minutes, and then they're dropping off, that's an indication that you are not growing. That's the reverse. So that is something that needs attention there. Also had Aurelia Pod say level of cobwebs. Is that literally or figuratively? I'm, I'm not sure. It's hard to tell with a playthrough show. No. Okay. So <laughs> Aurelia Pod is a desktop gaming podcast and uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he means cobwebs that are actually on the playing field or cobwebs in the ears. Or... I know. Yes, exactly. That's why it's hard okay. to tell, right? <laughs> uh, it, it's it, in any case, it's not good. So, all right. <laughs> also, Geopaths podcasting said a combination of downloads, brackets faulty, but numerically accessible and bracket engagement, bracket socials and emails and bracket and guest excitement to be on the pod. 
It's excitement. Excitement is huge with measuring growth. I love excitement. Yeah, it's not just what Chris was saying before on an increase in people that wanted to be on the show. It's true excitement. So even if you only get three new people that want to be on the show, their excitement is just so overwhelming when you have them on your show and you can just tell that they want to be on your show and they want to talk to you and everything. That is a good measurement of growth in of itself. You might not have as many people wanting to be on the show, but their excitement level is way up there. So you got to kind of talk them off the wall a little bit before you start recording. Otherwise, they'd be babbling because they're talking so fast. In summary, knowing where you stand with your podcast can be an important metric for some podcasters. Stats are a hard number that can measure the size of your show and your show's growth if done properly. But there are best practices to measure downloads. It's not just always about the raw numbers. Audience reach can be a fun and interesting way to help measure growth and the size of your show. And no matter what you're using to measure your growth, whether you are looking at technical or non-technical areas, you need to take everything with a grain of salt and realize that anomalies do happen. And sometimes you need to track things down to figure out the bigger picture of that growth. But if there's anything that we'd like you to leave here with, it's to remember to have fun as a hobby podcaster with your show. Don't get too caught up with the numbers. Don't get too caught up with whether or not you're growing. Just have yourself a fun time and grow yourself. Remember, you started doing podcasting because you wanted to do it for fun. And you should make sure that your podcast progresses the way that you wanted it to go. Listener, do you have a way that you found to measure growth that we haven't discussed here on the show? Leave us an audio or video file at podcast at betterpodcasting.com and we will make sure we play it on a future show. And as a reminder, make sure you plug your podcast. This is the Better Podcasting Download. Am I plugging that into my USB port or what? As long as it's a USB-C port. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's talk quickly about the Apple Watch. There's not a ton to say about here, but it is definitely worth the mention. And I will turn it over to the resident iOS user. Go ahead. It's kind of funny. I was looking over all the news stories because we record this podcast every two weeks. So I was looking at all the news stories over the past two weeks on, on what to actually do with the download here. And as it turns out, the one that I wanted to talk about is statistics aligned which was ironic because we had decided to do this show basically on statistics and growth and other ways to measure growth. Well, it turns out that the IAB, and this has been going on for a long time, actually. I first heard about this last year sometime. I know that there were some news stories on it about the June 2020 timeframe. Well, just in the last couple of weeks, the IAB, which we just talked about in the previous uh, segment, the IAB said that in order to have certified statistics, you can no longer count the watch OS Apple watch downloads to your podcast this is because that it could be duplicative downloads or it could be uh, downloading like the entire catalog when people don't listen to the entire catalog or stuff like that. So basically, whatever is happening, the IB says we're not counting that anymore now. It's not to third-party apps that you can get on Watch OS. It is only through the Apple Watch OS that the problem is. So as of 1 October, those downloads are no longer going to be counting. So if I was you and if I was focusing on my stats per episode, like we talked about before, I would go in to those user agents and find out how many of those downloads are being counting as Apple OS or Apple Watch. Because as of 1 October those downloads are not going to count anymore. Now, Stephen, really what we want to talk about here is what it means to hobby podcasters. Now, depending on your audience, your downloads might go down. It just depends on if your audience is listening exclusively on Android or maybe exclusively on Apple Watch. You, you never know. They might go down. They might not go down. You don't know unless you can look at your stats and see where people are consuming your show. If your stats provider is not IAB certified or IAB compliant, quote unquote, they might still count the watch OS downloads. Now, while this might make you feel good, it won't be industry standard and your numbers will be considered overinflated by 
podcast advertisers or advertiser agencies in general. The what this means is that the IAB podcast measurement guidelines 2.0 is going to start to have a divide between the haves and the have nots. And that divide is going to grow even more. We already see it today. You can say SoundCloud is a have not. There is no way that SoundCloud will ever be IAB podcast measurement guidelines 2.0 certified. They have no interest in it whatsoever. Now, ultimately, years down the road, they might change their tune, so to speak, to use an industry term for SoundCloud. But really, they have expressed no interest in getting certified. Personally, I don't think they have the money for it, let alone the, the personnel to go do it. And I don't think their algorithm can be modified that way. They'd have to come up with a whole new algorithm, whatever. But if you have somebody that's more aligned to what compliant is or certification is, let's say Pinecast, they're not certified, but they might be close. You know, it, the effects might not be as drastic. So it really just depends on where you're getting your stats from, what, the, what those algorithms mean behind the scenes and your audience. And in my opinion, if you are really counting your statistics as a metric of how well your podcast is doing it, if that is what is making you happy with your podcast, you need to use IAB certified statistics. Stephen, what do you think? Yeah, what I read about this was that the basis of this was that the default behavior for Apple and the way that works with the watch is that out, out of the box, if you're subscribed to podcasts, it automatically tells your watch to go and download it out, out of the uh, out of the box. So what happens is essentially you're getting two downloads for that, even though you've not gone and specifically said, hey, I want that on my watch because the watch is downloading and the phone's downloading. And assuming that's the case, I, th I think that that's a, a pretty fair reason to remove them because that's just a uh, example there on how you're getting two. The other thing that I had read, and this might have been on pod news, was that um, they tried to go and find a way to just directly download to the Apple Watch, and it couldn't really be done. It always had to be like both of the devices. Now, I'm not an iOS user, so that's just my vague recollection of what it was. And so if that is the case, then again, I think that that's why the IAB certified stats is here, because if you have a device that 99% of the time is a duplicate, then it should be removed. And that 1% shouldn't matter because that device is 99% of the time duplicate entries. So why wouldn't you have that? Now, if it was a different situation and the Apple Watch was quite possible to download directly to that watch and there was a good percentage of people that were downloading directly to the watch, then I think a decision like this might have to be looked at and be overturned and there might have to be something else that that is considering how you you rule that out because that is now a phone basically where where if you you start blacklisting individual phones and stuff because whatever reason and people are using those as their primary consumption device then they should be considered as the stats but from what i read it seemed to make a lot of sense as it seemed like it was primarily duplicate and so again i i think this is a good example on why we have said that having a, a standard a maintained standard of downloads is a good thing. I think eventually watch OS will be completely able to be a standalone OS and won't need to be tethered to the phone. I mean, it is great that it is tethered to the phone for a lot of different reasons, but I think eventually it won't be tethered to the phone. And I think eventually it'll maybe even become the phone to some people. And when that happens, then I could see counting the downloads separately, but for right now they're, they're tethered to each other and you're absolutely right. If you're getting the same download to both devices, there's no reason to count them both because they are tethered together. There's no way to, to really use them apart from each other. So what, what does this, again, what does this mean to hobby podcasters? Uh, the IB statistics are there for comparison's sake. So if you're wondering how well your show is doing in comparison to another or the corporate average, you know where it's at. Like right now, I believe the IAB average that I believe Libsyn publishes is 130-ish that I've heard. And that's down. And it's down for a couple of reasons. It's down because of the pandemic. It's down because of the IAB certification that Libsyn came out with before. Libsyn is one of the few places that actually has published the aggregate 
downloading and they do it every month. So it's it's a good standard. You can go back and and catch their numbers from years ago and you can see it's close to 250 on an average. And now it's 130. Does that mean podcast listenership is down? No, not necessarily. It just means the way that we're counting it is down. So again, what do these mean for hobby podcasters? If you're comparing it to the average or other podcasters, like if you want to know where you stand between you and Joe Rogan, first of all, it's going to be, a, there's going to be a wide valley between there. But second of all, you're going to know exactly where you stand. And, and if that is your aspiration, first of all, you're not a hobby podcaster, but if that is your aspiration, you need a lot of work to do. The other thing I think is worth mentioning as well um, is what you talked about earlier in the show is people who say they're compliant with the IAB stats. You got to make sure that they're implementing this change because you don't know for sure that they are because they're not certified. Now, I, in full disclosure, I'm not sure what happens with the certified providers if if they... Oh, if they don't make the change? Yeah, like if, if they have to have a system that automatically updates it or they have to report every month or something like that. But... Let's assume that things are figured out that, you know, I'm not the first one to think of that. I'm pretty sure I'm not. The people who have just said, hey, yeah, we're following the spec sheet. We're compliant. Uh, are they making the changes when things like this come out? And there's a whole other conversation about that with the bots we mentioned, but let's leave that for another day and move on to the better pod back. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. You know, SP, this feedback that we're going to talk about today takes me back because for a very, very, very long time, basically until this year, I used an iPad with my regular setup and I don't. I don't since I got my Stream Deck. And that's what today's feedback is about, is hooking up a Stream Deck or hooking up a iPad, not a Stream Deck, hooking up an iPad for podcast use. Why don't you tell us what this question was? LD Martin in our Discord server, he asked, for anyone who uses an iPad to play audio clips, what cables do you use to make the connection to your interface? I'm looking at all the options available, but I'm not sure which cables are going to make the proper connections, balanced, unbalanced, TRRS, TRS, etc., and without blowing up expensive electronics? This is a great question. I'm actually still using my iPad mini to play my clips because I don't have any fancy stream deck, nor do I have an L12 or a Rodecaster Pro that has a sound pad in it. So one of the things that we both discovered over the years is that if you hook up any piece of electronics to any sort of audio interface or a mixer, you're often going to get some sort of ground loop in there. Now, is, does it happen all the time? No. And when it doesn't happen all the time, you should jump up and down and scream and, and yell and everything. But if you do, there is such a thing called a ground loop noise isolator. These are really inexpensive on Amazon in the US, America. It is about eight to $12, depending on what brand you get. And they're all kind of the same. It's got two 3.5 millimeter connections on both ends. So it's stereo, it's TRS, and it has a little cord attached to it that you can plug into your device. And then the other end has an opening that you can go into whatever. Now you're going to have to have an adapter. Like if you're using a um, XLR at quarter inch uh, combo jack or, or a mixer with quarter inch jacks, you're going to have to go through an adapter. So there are different cords that you can use a 3.5 millimeter to quarter inch TSY connection. That's one way to do it to get the stereo output. If you happen to have one of the newer machines like the H8, the L12, the Rodecaster Pro, they all have a stereo input from a phone. It's a, technically a TRRS jack, but you don't need the TRRS jack to play a uh, a sound deck. So you can do that. So you just have to go from one to the other. The big thing is the ground loop isolator. And Stephen is holding up an adapter right now. Stephen, can you explain it for the audio listener? The other thing that you might need to consider, depending on what you're hooking up, is you might need a dongle. Because if you're using a device that only has like USB-C, 
or lightning or whatever. And you don't have the headphone jack. That means now you got to you got to use a dongle to adapt it. So you got to consider that as well. Um, I there's a couple of quick things that I want to just touch on because, like I said, I I did use an iPad. I used an iPad like pretty much since uh, the comic book podcast. I, almost the same iPad. Uh, for very, well, actually, it wasn't since the comic book podcast, but I I had a device pretty much always with something, but I used the same iPad for many, many, many years and before that I had a laptop sitting there. Anyways, the thing that I want to mention, two things. Number one, there is a difference between uh, balanced for via, via S, unbalanced, so balanced versus unbalanced, and stereo versus mono. There is a difference there. It's important that you recognize it because if you're trying to hook something up that is sending a balanced signal and you're going to something that does not take balanced signals, it won't work properly. So, or vice versa. So there is a difference, even though they use the same cabling. Second thing as well is with the iPad. I, I'll say right now, I never had a ground loop isolator hooked up to it. And do you know why I never had a ground loop isolator up to it? Because I charged it and I ran it on battery every time. And that was the thing. A lot of devices that do hook up if they are running on battery, don't need the ground loop isolator. But SP can also tell you of many times that I was about 10 minutes before and go, oh, my iPad's dead. Hopefully it'll charge in time for the show. And then I had to toggle it on and off during the show because my battery was dead. So I don't recommend it. I recommend that you actually have a, a, uh, an iPad plug-in nearby so you can keep it and use the ground loop isolator. But if you can't find a ground loop isolator right now or you want to just try and you've got the adapter, um, try unplugging it from power so that uh, it's just directly in because I never needed one. So now your mileage may vary. So two additional things here. If you're really old school, you will know the term DI box, uh, active or passive DI box. And these DI boxes are actually how I've connected my current soundboard to my mixer. I use a DI box and this is a little bit detrimental because it only takes mono in the one that I have. So it creates that stereo signal to mono. So as I'm playing my live sounds it is only mono and it, it's got a transformer in there and it's able to take away the basically the ground loop noise in there. And Steven is for the video listeners, Steven is holding up his DI box and it has a switch from ground to lift as most of them do. And there's various different brands and we went through them quite a bit before we discovered the modern ground loop noise isolator with the 3.5 millimeter jack, which is ubiquitous now for all podcasters. For a long time, by the way, just as an FYI, because I've used ground loop, I use ground loop isolators before SP told me about a DI box. I learned DI boxes from him. You could only get them in RCA connections, which was not easy when most of your gear was not RCA. So you always had adapters with it. So I loved when I saw the three and a half. But for a long time, I was rocking RCA once. The other thing that's new today and capable of connecting your outboard device to it is some of these newer devices have Bluetooth connections. Now, I have not heard of one that does not have degraded audio. Now, for me... I replace all my bumps and, and music in post anyway, so I get the undegraded sound in my final product. However, if you use that for your final audio, I would recommend against the Bluetooth connection on any devices today. Now, this, of course, is September 2020, so who knows what it's going to be like in September 2021 or September 2022. Bluetooth might be a, a better option ultimately, but right now, if you want the better audio quality and if you're podcasting for audio, you'll want gooder audio. Yes, I said gooder audio because I wanted to foot stomp it. Then go ahead and use a hard connection versus the Bluetooth. So that's a lot of explanation from LD Martin there, his question. Hopefully we have answered everything. If you still have a question, LD Martin or anybody else, please get a hold of us and we will get back with you and probably talk about it in a future episode. But that's going to take us towards the end of the show. If you want to interact with us on a regular basis, you should hop over to our Discord server. You can go to betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We would love to have you over there to chat about different things each week, especially if it's podcast related. Now there's a whole bunch of other geeky areas that you can talk to 
talk in there. We have a whole smart home section. Uh, you got other stuff that can be done or can be talked about, like television and movies, or you can even head over to every single little sub channel that is in there to do with any podcast that SP's ever done, and you can say how much you love SP. You can do that. There, no, that's not true because there's some podcasts without channels in there. Oh, we have a private group for the SP fans. Uh, okay. Yeah, you can't see it. But anyway, God, <laughs> if you want to check that out, it is betterpodcasting.com slash discord. And if you're not subscribed to our better podcasting live chat, that would be great if you could head to betterpodcasting.com and head over there and find the details. Subscribe. We would love for you to check it out. I don't think we're in Spotify yet, but in many other places you can find us. <laughs> yeah, make sure you catch us at betterpodcasting.com. There's a lot of stuff on there. Matter of fact, I was just thinking of some articles that I got to write and get out there, and we're going to start to fill that puppy up. And it has been a long time coming. We made the change, it seems like about nine months ago. It was pre COVID pandemic, but now we're well into it. And uh, just my own fault for not actually getting more content out there, but dang it, I've been trying. So we'll get some content there. Betterpodcasting.com. Got a couple of things in the hopper that hopefully will find their way out pretty soon, but, uh, we, we, uh, we have lives. We admit it, but for episode number 233 of better podcasting, I'm Steven John Drew saying Stargate pioneer. Are we growing this show? I'm SP saying, Stephen, let's talk later and look at the stats. <gasps> Data. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, Please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.